From the panic room at the Alamo, it's the IGN DigiGuys. Please welcome two men who won't talk about the time they reenacted the Russian roulette scene from The Deer Hunter, Wade Major and Mark Kaiser. Gotta love anybody who sends in a Deer Hunter reference. Corey. Who's that sharp fan? That was brought to you by Stuart Moncure. Stuart Moncure cures all your ills. That's the shittiest joke you'll ever hear from me. <laughs> oh, Obadiah. Oh, my gosh. Wade, your name today is Obadiah. Yes, it is. I've decided to call you Obadiah. Thank you. For the next hour. I be Obadiah. I don't know why that is. By the way, did you ever think to yourself, how did, um, how did Bob yes. come from Robert? How did how did Dick come from Richard? It, it, are you asking me seriously, or are these rhetorical questions? No, no. Well, if you happen to know the answer, I'll take it. But uh... I suspect there's an intermediary. I suspect Robert becomes Bobbert and then becomes Bob, and I assume that Richard becomes uh, Ditchard, becomes Dickard, becomes Dick. Okay, if you have an answer to that, please email <laughs> us at gods at, digi- gods at digigods dot com. I'm sure somewhere in you know Chaucer's time there was a guy named Dickard. Uh, or Deckard from Blade or Runner. Deckard, absolutely. Why okay, not? okay, Obadiah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, anyway, so uh, well, we got we got the oh, show to a rousing oh, start. Oh, I can oh, tell already. We got swag with with uh, titles today. Here, Mark, check this out. Yes, yes, ma'am. Oh, check. No, seriously. Yes, Obadiah. First, what? Uh, yes. Gonna... By the way, you I love guess. that I'm doing this. Huh? Oh, I was going to vamp for time while you uh, did what no, you're no, doing. No, no, no. Here. This is this is why there's no video on the show. You have to take the you have to take the headphones off. Then it works. no, I don't. It look it's better this way. Well, uh, Wade is wearing a, <laughs> a, a, a green uh, graduation cap and uh, red Lolita glasses. Yes, the Lolita glasses, the red uh, 3D glasses, are from the Katy Perry uh, concert film in 3D, which I just saw. And, but the, the funny thing is that they, is that they are the red heart shaped. Glasses from Lolita. Yes, clearly, because no one at Paramount realized. Why would they? Lolita wasn't a Paramount film. Uh, no one at Paramount realizes that they are now asking all the little girls going to see the Katy Perry 3D film to wear the world's foremost emblem of, of pedophilia. <laughs> 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 it's a that is just bizarre. It's a scandal in the making. <laughs> I don't understand if they just if they just think I, nobody will remember. I, or I mean, certainly I, fans of Katy Perry have no yeah, idea what it I, is. I I almost have a have a mind to to round up like a hundred guys and dress them as as Humbert Humbert and and have them line up outside the theater as the little girls come out. You should bring that up oh when you uh gosh. Now are you talking about the movie uh on radio on, on, radio? on Friday, yeah, NPR just, film week. That's a good time to bring it up. Yes it is. Absolutely it is. And of course the green uh, graduation cap is from the uh, Mac and Devon go to high school on Blu-ray which we're going to talk about in a moment. And uh speaking of amazing swag, we also have a plastic ice cream scoop here. You know goes... what? Give me this. I'm giving this away. <laughs> you said nobody would want it, but you know what? Not only will I give this away, I'm gonna, I, will either, I will either. I will either. I will also pay for the shipping out of my own you, GD pocket. You, you do that, man. You okay, rock you on. Ready? This is this is your standalone contest. I, I want really nothing is. to do with it. So, I, I literally just pulled this out of my butt right now. This moment, it is a uh, it is a plastic red ice cream scoop that 
probably, I would imagine, will not be able to stand up to frozen ice cream. It'll probably snap. Well, let, but, let me explain the movie that it goes yeah, with first. Yeah, that's fine. Go for it. Go for it. Then, this, I, then I'll explain how people can win. This there's a John Landis executive-produced film, and John Landis just slapped his name on it. And I love John Landis, but he really just put his name on this. It stars uh, Kevin Corrigan as a, as a short... <laughs> I'm, I'm too punchy today. Wade has the giggles today. The, the, the Obadiah movie, has the giggles today. The movie is called Some Guy Who Kills People. Uh, wait, wait, say that again? Some Guy Who Kills People. <laughs> Hilarious. And uh, stars Kevin Corrigan, Barry Bostwick, and Karen Black. We all know how Karen Black and Barry Bostwick, uh, their careers have gone. Uh, Kevin Corrigan is basically like a, like a, a diner cook who, who chops people up. Um, it is it is dark and it is modestly funny. Uh, you know, basically he's he's an ice cream guy. That's why the ice cream thing. You know, he's a he 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 works for an ice cream parlor, so he he chops people up and that's great. You know. All right. So can I talk about the giveaway? Yeah, go ahead. Talk. About, I mean, that's as much as we really need to say. It's called Some Guy Who Kills People, and it stars Kevin Corrigan, and he wears his little McDonald cap, and uh, he's got a machete on the cover, and uh, you know. I, I watched maybe 20 minutes of this, and and if you were to say to somebody, uh, there's a movie called Some Guy Who Kills People starring Kevin Corrigan as an ice cream guy who murders people with a machete, whatever you're imagining in your head, that's exactly what this movie is. It's self-explanatory. Yes. Uh, okay, wait, are you done talking about that movie? Yeah, go ahead. Now, would you rather have the movie, or would you rather have the ice cream scoop <laughs> swag that came with the movie? Okay, uh, we have a, uh, it is a red plastic ice cream scoop. On it, it says, Some Guy Who Kills People on DVD July 3rd from Anchor Bay Entertainment. Uh, as I said before, this ice cream scoop looks uh, fairly fragile. It probably will not survive uh, some serious frozen ice cream. But you know what? Because otherwise, I throw it away. You can have it. I'm giving this away you to, do the, that. Uh, to the fifth person. Wait, you can count to five, right? Yeah, I can count to five. Okay, good. The fifth person to email us at gods at digigods.com. Put the words ice cream scoop in the subject line and put your address in the body of the email because I'm not going to chase after you yeah. for a 10 cent ice cream scoop. <laughs> so uh, I will give this thing away. It is in a cellophane wrapper, as you can probably hear. So the fifth person to email us at gods at digigods.com, put ice cream scoop in the subject line, put your name and address in the body of the email. You will get a flimsy red plastic, some guy who kills people, ice cream scoop. Right on. Go. All right. And uh, the uh, from two weeks ago, we finally secured all of our winners. Uh, I had to finally, you know, corroborate all the uh, addresses and whatnot. But want to shout out to our five winners from the musical Blu-ray competition, the musical Blu-ray giveaway: uh, Stu Ross, Alex Hannon, Robert Barga, Jacob Schaefer, and Brian Hunt. Congratulations, Woo! guys. Congratulations, as I used to say when I was a kid for some reason, which wasn't funny. Congratulations. And our other uh, title this week, the uh, the from the swag stack. Uh, which is Mac and Devon go to high school? The movie. I don't. Is there another Mac and Devon thing uh, that I'm is, not? Is familiar there with? Mac and Devon go to high school? The TV show. Well, uh, this is Snoop Dogg and Wiz Khalifa who star in this, and uh, I, you know I'm not up on my new hip hop artists because I don't know who Wiz Khalifa is, but uh, I certainly I've know. heard of Wiz Khalifa, but you Couldn't know tell you anything about him. Uh, I don't either. But Mike Epps is in this, and I, I am still a fan of Mike Epps. They seem to throw him in as just regular generic comic relief and all these things. Uh, anyway, this is – you know what this really is? This is kind of a, a sideways step from the Fridays films. So I get it. It's going after the same audience. This is from Anchor Bay. It's on Blu-ray, also on DVD, but they sent us the, uh, the Blu-ray. And, uh, you know, it's it's fine. It's it's one of those movies. It's uh, it's kind of a crossover hood comedy film. And if you've seen the Friday's films, you know exactly what you're going for. And that's really why Mike Epps is in here. He kind of 
You know, he's bringing the funny for the audience that uh, is accustomed. Because Snoop Dogg really is, you know, he's a good actor, but he's not that funny. Snoop Dogg doesn't bring the comedy. Uh, you know, Snoop Dogg to me isn't really much of an actor. He's, he, he's got that same very laconic, cool, yeah. you know, stoner thing that he does. But he was good as Huggy Bear. He was good as Huggy Bear. He was. He was a good Huggy Bear. It was Bear. funny casting as Huggy Bear. Yeah. That was perfect casting. That was fine. That was good. So can I talk about stuff that's coming out yeah, soon let's, let's, in the next you know, couple months? You, know, you want to keep going? Let, no, let's, let's blow through. We got this giant stack of TV fine. that we didn't get to last week. So let's, let's crank through the TV so we can get to the stuff that really matters. Um, here, this is... This. You do your. You, this is your. What would you like me to do? You, you, you. I'm, okay. I'm divvying things <laughs> up here. I'm divvying things up. Okay. okay. Uh, GCB, the complete first season. This is uh, as per usual. They they throw this out on DVD in order to coincide with the new season. And uh, ABC is uh, going to shortly be kicking out new episodes of GCB, I guess, which stands for Good Christian Bells. Originally, no. no. Anyway, uh, this is kind of the show that I think they were hoping would uh, take the place of Desperate Housewives, which is a little um, optimistic. I don't think they uh, this show is good enough to really do that. It's kind of like a cross between um, Steel Magnolias and Desperate Housewives, which makes sense because it was created by Robert Harling, who um, or co-created by Robert Harling, I should say, who uh, who wrote Steel Magnolias as well as Darren Star who created Sex in the City. So you kind of get a sense of the sensibilities that are going in there. It ain't Desperate Housewives. I'm a big Desperate Housewife fan. Not so much uh, keen on this one. Kristen Chenoweth is, is amusing, but uh, the show has to really, really improve to get my juices flowing. Um, also out here we have season five of Burn Notice and uh, the complete third season of White Collar. These are both USA shows that totally typify what USA is trying to do, uh, a very kind of uh, upscale older, yuppie-something audience for shows about uh, sophisticated uh, crooks and criminals and cops and the whole, you know, intrigue, where the intrigue is a little bit more, well, white-collar. And, uh, you know, as opposed to the grunge of TNT. Uh, That's what they're going for. TNT is down and dirty, so USA is trying to be a little bit more sophisticated and upscale, get the BMW commercials while TNT gets the beer commercials. I guess that's the plan. Anyway, these shows are perfectly fine. Um, you, you know, if you've seen them, you know what they are. I don't need to remind you. We're in the third and fifth season here by this point. Uh, a few uh, few commentaries, a uh, few extras, but, you know, pretty much otherwise, if you haven't bought them until now, you're not going to want to. Wait, a couple of uh, older shows from Comedy Central. We have from 2006, Dog Bites Man. Now, this show, right up my alley... Uh, this is a kind of a partially improvised, partially scripted show about a local news team, KHBX. And it's from 2006. It stars Zach Galifianakis before he really kind of started to hit. And this is back when I was seeing him uh, do stand-up at Largo in L.A., which is uh, hilarious. Uh, if you've ever seen Zach live, he's unbelievably funny. Anyway, He's uh, always funny. He's funny even when he's not live. That is true. The uh, the show was never quite as funny as it should have been, even though I love, love the milieu that they're operating in. But uh, it does have some bite. I thought some of it was pretty entertaining, some funny stuff, especially the improvised stuff, especially Galifianakis improvising is always, always funny. And, uh, you know, it didn't really last that long. In fact, I think it lasted only one season. But um, a season, well, actually it did because this is the complete series of Dog Bites Man. If you like kind of that Anchorman thing, this is not Anchorman, but if you like that Anchorman thing and it yeah. does have Zal- uh, Galifianakis in it, you may want to give this a rental because, uh, you know, it's not that bad. Uh, 
David Alan Greer starred in a um, short-lived show called Chocolate News. And here it's kind of a black theme spoof of TV news magazines. And Greer is funny, but his humor is much broader, I think, than the uh, humor in The Man, uh, Dog Bites Man. Yeah. So it didn't really last that long. And Greer, I think, is kind of like a little bit... Um, I'm just noticing A.D. Mi- AD Miles is in Dog Bites Man. Huh? A.D. Miles is in Dog Bites Man. Who's that? A.D. Miles is one of uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon's uh, writers and one of his crew now. Wow. He's on the Jimmy Fallon show. I did not know that. He's a good guy. Wow. Anyway, uh, Chocolate News, it's much broader, but it is kind of funny. It's not as biting as uh, as, uh, Dog Bites Man. But, you know, it's not bad. Chocolate News, I I can't say deserve to go to a second season. I like David Allen Greer. He didn't have the the career he's, he's deserved now. Uh, also from Comedy Central, we have a Freak Show. This is a another show that didn't go too far. So Comedy Central is releasing the entire series on DVD. Freak Show is um, it's an animated series about um, these I don't know what do you say superhero carnival freaks, half woman half clam. Sure, someone's kind of funny. The, the half woman half clam, the log cabin Republican. Ah uh, yes, okay. The world's tallest Nebraskan. <laughs> it's funny. No, it's uh, David Cross had a big part yeah in this creation of this uh the voice acting is good gene garofalo will arnett bob odenkirk um you know the thing is that it's so kind of out there that i just think it might have been way too trippy for this you know what this might have worked this this thing's from 2006 it might have worked today as an adult swim thing yeah it might have been a few years ahead of its time but you know in 2006 it really didn't work and finally we have um the complete series uh, now, this is really one of the great abortions of television, I have to say. Oh, in, that I remember that show. In the 1980s. Oh, that was bad. There was a short-lived oh. Casablanca TV series. With David Soule. David Soule. Oh, my gosh. What were they thinking? David Soule played Rick Blaine and the American Expatriate living in uh, Africa. And You know what I think? Hector this was, Elizondo was, cat, uh, was Captain Scatman Brothers was on this, too. Uh, and a, a very, very young Ray Liotta, like a crazy young Ray, Ray Liotta. You know, here's where I think that that show evolved from. There was there was a, a, this moment where they you remember every time there's a hit movie, they try to turn it into a TV series, like TV series. You share me? Are you drunk, uh, Wade? Uh, kind of. Are you drunk, uh, Obadiah? Yes, I am. Thank you, <laughs> Pa. Uh, remember, you know, you Star Wars. We go to Battlestar Galactica, and then uh, you know we had uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, and then they tried doing uh, uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey, and there was another one. What was the other one? Uh, Tales of the Gold Monkey, and there was another one of those shows. It was kind of trying to be a television uh, Indiana Jones, and I think this was an outgrowth of those. Oh, wait a minute. I think I know what you're talking about. The uh, the old Indiana Jones. It was like uh, there was one with Stephen Stephen Collins and another Alan, one with no, not Bruce Boxleitner. Bruce right. Boxleitner was in one, and Stephen Collins was the other. I can't remember. It the wasn't Bruce like Boxleitner Alan one. Quarterman. They 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 didn't no, make it was it was like show. a straight up attempt at doing two, and they both flopped. They both came out the same season. It was kind of the uh, the Munsters and uh, Adams Family scenario. You know, it was two parallel shows on a dead end trajectory. Anyway, this is terrible. There's only uh, there's only three uh, five episodes on this whole disc. After which it was thing was mercifully 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 canceled. Uh, the only one, the only one worth watching um, was directed by Mel Stewart, who also directed um, Oh yeah, Willy, Won- uh, Charlie, uh, Willy Wonka. Nice. 
good. Uh, Damages, the complete fourth season. This is apparently only on DirecTV. Yeah, Tales of the Gold Monkey. Tales, Tales of the Gold Monkey was Stephen Tales of the Collins. Gold, yes, and the one with Bruce Boxleitner, I can't remember. So get on that while I talk about Damages. Uh, damages, the complete fourth season. Another great television uh, turn for Glenn Close, who just recently got an uh, Oscar nomination once again, putting her back in the Oscar mix for Albert Nobbs. I don't know if that's going to necessarily resurrect her film career, but it should because she's been so good on television in recent years. And uh, even starting with The Shield, you know, she was just great on that. Anyway, Damages is really sharp. This is the fourth season, and um, the... uh, Oh, I know what it is. What? You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Bring Him Back Alive. Bring Him Back Alive. Wasn't that it? No. No? No. I remember that show. Bring Him Back Alive, no. Yeah, Bring Him Back Alive. Frank Buck from 1982. He's 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 like a great white hunter. No, that wasn't it. No? No. Sorry, try again. Um, Lives in Singapore, Colonial Singapore. Yeah. Bring Him Back Alive. That was the name of the show, Bring Him Back Alive. No, that's not the name of the show. It's incorrect. Okay, Star Wars. Gods at Digigods.com. Anyway, damages Glenn Close, high-powered lawyer, and uh, you know this, is, this, this gets into political stuff is what this gets into. Um, the, the issue here is specifically a, um, a kind of corruption related to Afghanistan, and so you have John Goodman as the, the heavy, and he really overplays the heavy a little bit. Uh, just the picture of him on here shows how he plays the part. I love John Goodman, but it's... Uh, Not Scarecrow and Mrs. King. No. Definitely not. Anyway, uh, decent show, uh, but Glenn Close is a total standout and a real star on it was the show. Bring him, it was Bring Him Back Alive. It might be, but that's a terrible title, and I'm sure I'm sure it was titled something else. Um, Tyler Perry's House of Pain, Volume 9. Uh, I, I, I don't like how they do this volume stuff with, the, with this show. Uh, it's not a very good show. We've ripped on this before. Three discs, a bunch of episodes that are just agonizingly not funny. And uh, no extras, so uh, watch it at your own risk. Uh, Law and Order Criminal Intent, the seventh year. This is the 09, uh, 2008, 2009 season. And uh, what I, you know, here's what makes me really happy about uh, the way they've pushed the direction of Criminal Intent is that they brought uh, Chris Noth back. And Chris Noth was originally on the original Law and Order, not Criminal Intent, you know, years ago in the earliest incarnations of regular Law and Order. Uh, Chris Noth was on the show, and now they bring him back and they push him over to Criminal Intent to kind of balance out the uh, the Vincent D'Onofrio angle, and it's terrific. I uh, I love what they did with this show. I think they pushed it in a great new direction. Uh, I miss Jeff Goldblum, frankly, who was cool for uh, a second and a half on this show. He's awesome. But uh, you know what? Somehow the and you know what I think the secret is to all the Law and Order shows. It's a it's a formula. It's a it's, format. A, it's not just the formula. I've, I've watched enough of them because my wife is 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 insane for Law and Order and and uh, is happy that you can pretty much find an episode of Law and Order on television at any hour of the day. It's true. You can find you just TBS. You just flip, is it on like TBS? U, TNT, U, USA and USA. a million other. It's it pretty much no matter where you somewhere you'll find a Law and Order episode on. It's 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 impossible. You can't get away from them. But here's the secret: they play these things to the hilt, to the melodramatic hilt. I mean, it's <laughs> really it's really melodramatic. But the reason you don't let it get the reason it, it's convincing is the music because they have that that really eerie, ominous David Lynchy kind of. Uh, you know, it's just really just intense, serious, depressing music. It never lets you get your uh, get to that emotional level where you go, "This is cheesy." The music is what holds you down. It tamps everything down. It's really smart. You know what I'm watching now? <laughs> I'm watching Bruce Boxleitner save Cindy Morgan in a 1982 episode of Bring Him Back Alive. 
I just cannot believe that was the title. I, I remember just, it. I totally remember it. I mean, vaguely, so not like, you know. That's so strange. Well, anyway. It's awesome. Uh, also, I have a couple of um, new Blu-rays for the Sharp uh, British adventure shows here. Uh, one is uh, Sharp's Company and Sharp's Enemy, together on one Blu-ray. These are from BFS. And the other is Sharp's Rifles and uh, Sharp's Eagle. If you haven't watched these, it's pretty great stuff. It's all Napoleonic era. Sean Bean is the uh, the mighty soldier fighting the uh, the evil forces of Napoleon. And uh, it's great stuff. You know, the, the shows are kind of threadbare budgeting for period television stuff. But somehow, you know, the English production value really, really just... It, it pushes it to where it needs to be. The writing is sharp, and uh, these are a lot of fun. So if you're a fan of the sharp stuff, remember, it didn't look that great on DVD to begin with. It's pretty grainy, but the Blu-ray definitely does push it up a notch. Not that it removes the, 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 the problems with the original bad photography, but the color saturation is better, and the color makes a difference on this show. So from that standpoint, I think the Blu-rays are definitely a step up. Oh, Entourage on Blu-ray. This is the eighth and final season of the show. And, uh, you know, people love the show. I think eight seasons is plenty, even of the even the Ari Gold character, who uh, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And I've said it before, reminds me of my former agent at uh, at ICM. Total, complete and utter like Ari, as played by Jeremy Piven. He is an agent. The end. He is the yeah, ultimate no, it's true. agent. He does. It's a great, great characterization. I that my agent was just like him. Uh, actually, the whole series ends on a bit of a cliffhanger involving Ari, but I won't tell you what it is because you're going to check out Entourage Season 8. It was about time this show was really kind of ready to go. Uh, TNT, the complete first season of Franklin and Bash. Bosh. I think it's Bash or Bosh. I can't remember. Bash. Franklin and Bash. It's no, an okay show. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an okay show. You know what? It's one of those like uh, kind of light comedy uh, show well, about the... the yeah, 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 we're 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 like young. We're hip attorneys. We we get we play hard and we work hard. It's we, one of those shows. We can we say snarky things in court to the judge because we're yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Well, you know what? This it, this strikes me as like a courtroom version of Chips. It is. You know, I mean, that's what <laughs> Chips was all about. We work hard and we play hard. Uh oh, look at this yeah, eighteen this... car pileup. You know what we do after we solve an eighteen car pileup? Thanks to a cocaine guy who's driving at ninety five miles an hour down the four hundred five, we go down to the disco and we shake it. No, but this one has much more sarcastic, trying to True. be funny language yeah, in it. It does. But, you know, you can't really fault the uh, the guest stars. Malcolm McDowell's a regular on the no, show. I know, Love I know. Malcolm McDowell. Bo Bridges, Tom Arnold, Jason Alexander, Harry Hamlin. Yeah. So it's good stuff. The uh, the show itself, I just, it's a little too. It's a little too trying to be smart for my taste. Well, it, it's, it's like a Glenn Gordon Karen show without. The sexual tension—it's a buddy tension. I mean, oh no, the Karen. sexual tension. Oh, oh, really? Oh <laughs> my goodness! No, you know, it's like—I mean, Karen did that with Moonlighting, and he did it before that with the uh, what was the uh, Stephanie Zimbalist uh, thing? Hard with, to hard? No, no, no. That was the Stephanie Zimbalist and um, Pierce Brosnan. What was that? Oh, uh, oh Rem- uh, Remington Steel. Yeah, yeah. So it's that kind of. Yeah, they're going for that. They're not quite a- a- achieving it. Uh, you know what? Ep- the first season of episodes is pretty great. I got to tell you, I I I really thought uh, after Joey went off the air, I thought there's no way that Matt LeBlanc will ever be able to carry a show. They're just going to have to stick him into an ensemble somewhere again. He, he just doesn't have the charisma. But you know what? Shoot me. Uh, he totally carries this show, and he carries it because he's freaking playing himself, um, which is uh, rather remarkable. Uh, so, uh, you know, Matt LeBlanc doing a great job of playing himself. Who knew? Um, so this is kind of a, um, this is kind of a weird 
I, I guess 30 Rock may be in some way responsible for doing this because 30 Rock tries to take you behind the scenes of uh, you know a Saturday Night Live type show and behind the scenes of the operations of a network and, and all that nonsense. And that's kind of what they're doing here is that uh, Matt LeBlanc playing himself and this is all about the uh, you know the the way the, the machinations of turning a British sitcom into an American sitcom with him as the star. So they're going for kind of a similar flavor but a little edgier because it's on Showtime. But I actually thought it was terrific and uh, there's some great performances uh, with the sporting cast here um, John Pankow absolutely terrific uh, Stephen Mangan just terrific so really uh, kind of a fun show I, Richard Griffiths even shows up here so I, uh, I think this is good I think there's a lot of promise in this show going forward episode season one all right, oh, <clears throat> all right Obadiah whatever you say you gotta believe it and then uh, Scandal the complete first season. This is, uh, the sh- if, if you've noticed that Grey's Anatomy has kind of been dropping off in quality a little bit, uh, the primary reason is probably because um, everybody who was really basically Shonda Rhimes and her whole primary creative crew, they stepped away from Grey's Anatomy and uh, started up Scandal. So Grey's Anatomy has kind of been run by the B crew now while Rhimes and her, uh, her A-list are over on Scandal. Um, I'll say this about it. I think that it's for a show that tries to sort of take you back into the uh, the ins and outs of Washington since the West Wing, the first one since the West Wing to really go to that that place. I think it's respectable. I think Carrie Washington is a great actress. I have loved her ever since Mother and Child. Did you see Mother and Child yeah, with Annette Bening? Freaking Carrie Washington rocked that movie. She yep. is the unsung heroine of that movie, and she's great here. She holds this thing down to a just pitch perfect uh, key, but. Uh, the show is a little bit uneven, but I cut it some slack. It's the first season, so let's see where it goes in the next season. A lot of great bonus features here, good uh, good featurettes, uh, good behind-the-scenes stuff. Gives you a good sense of uh, you know what a professional rhymes is and how she really kind of pours everything into the making of these shows. You know it. Uh, Wade, uh, those who have seen Ted, the Seth MacFarlane comedy, which I liked, uh, might recognize something very similar in Wilfred. Wilfred is a uh, FX show. The weirdest show. You know what? I, I tell you what. What saves? What saves? Well, it's originally show? an Australian show, and and they, and I don't. I could see it working in Australia. I guess I don't. I don't get it. it, it whatever. Well, I don't mind the show, and I think it's a triumph of tone over anything else because a lot of the humor is sexy and, and scatological and sort of that stuff you'd expect. But it, 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 it does have a certain kind of uh, sweetness to it, almost like a very very cut rate uh, uh, Wes Andersonness to it. That I kind of like. Yeah. So the show, while certainly not perfect, is uh, really kind of an interesting little thing. Now FX is kind of getting is, you know, they were known for their one hour dramas that are out there. Now yeah. they now they're kind of getting into the half hour you know comedy stuff. So mm. I think Wilfred's definitely worth a sample if you haven't seen it. It's on FX and it stars Frodo. Ah, uh, Frodo, Frodo and his dog. A couple of great actresses in some decent series here. Ashley Judd in the first season of Missing, uh, which is going to kick off again on ABC shortly. Um, You know, this again, I'll cut it some slack because it's the first season. Uh, And because Ashley Judd is such a terrific actress, I just don't know where they're going to be able to take this. It reminds me a lot of all of those old... Remember, uh, not just The Fugitive, but there was Run for Your Life with Ben Gazzara. And there was a Bring Him Back Alive. And, thank you. And, <laughs> they were, they were, and, and that kind of dovetailed into The Incredible Hulk a little bit. They were all of these sort of men-on-the-run shows. And uh, there's a tease to it that I, I thought was kind of not fair, which is that you know that you're never actually going to reach any kind of closure because then the show ends. 
you know. So every week you're watching it, hoping something will happen. But in your heart of hearts, and your in your gut and in your head, you know nothing's going to happen. You know, they might get a clue or two, but they, they, you're never, ever, ever going to close that hole. Uh, there's never going to be closure. So that being said, I think this show has some of the same problems. Uh, but um, I like the backdrop. I like the fact that it's uh, it's very exotic. I, I, you know, I think it's got a nice foreign location. Um, I like the fact that it's got high production value and it's got a little bit of an espionage angle to it. And, uh, you know, so fair enough. Um, you know, mother, uh, mother on on the quest to get her child back. That's great, but it's still don't expect this thing to reach any kind of closure. Uh, it's you know, cool international espionage type show, but ultimately it's still one of those person on the run shows. And then Lisa Kudrow in Web Therapy again, a first season show, uh, July second, which is effective immediately. Uh, this comes back on Showtime. I'm, uh, I like Lisa Kudrow a lot. I think she's terrific. I think the uh, cavalcade of guest stars here is uh, equally terrific, especially uh, Rashida Jones and Lily Tomlin and Courtney Cox, of course, who you know she has great chemistry with going all the way back to Friends. Um, but the, uh, when I see shows about therapists, I always think about the Bob Newhart show. And I'm like, you just, you know, this turns it into like an online therapist, so it tries to have a little bit more of a, a cyber angle. But you know what? I'm sorry, the, the the Bob Newhart show was the best of all of those, and you just can't make the comparison. So I'm hoping, you know, second season will uh, bring some changes that will uh, set it on a, on a better course. No, when I think of, when I think of therapists, I think of um, the Saturday Night Live Jeopardy episode with Sean Connery, where Sean Connery says, yeah. I'll take... I'll take the rapist for 500. <laughs> That's therapist, Sean. That's not what you said to your mother. That's, I know that's not the line, but, you know. Good job. Thank you. Oh, HBO. Uh, you know, their original films are always very good, and this one is good, too. It's Too Big to Fail. Too Big to Fail is about the, uh, the financial crisis, and this was directed by Curtis Hansen, who is a great director who really has fallen in, in a bit of a rut. This is the first decent thing he's done. In a long time. He just, I don't think he's, he's fallen into a rut, per se. I think he's just sort of lost his ambition. It's not like he's not executing. It's just when he picks... The, some of the projects he's been picking are interesting more to him than to anybody else. Oh, well, then, if it's interesting to him, that's fine. But the thing is, he has to make it interesting to us. I know. I hear and, you. And uh, anyway, it's all, it's, all about the, uh, it's all about the Wall Street uh, scandal. And here we have... Uh, it's funny. Part, part of the fun of the film is, is playing like, you know, oh, who's that? Oh, look, it's Ed Asner as Warren Buffett. Wow. Yeah. It's Tony Shalhoub as John Mack. Um, it's Evan Handler as uh, the Goldman Sachs chief, whatever his name was. Oh, my God, it's Bill Pullman as Jamie Dimon. Uh, anyway, so this is, it's good stuff. You know, it, the, the thing with the film is that it's obviously very, very talky, and Hanson realizes it's very talky, so he does that kind of Aaron Sorkin thing where he, he, he just has people, A, speak very dramatically. Like, yep. you know, if we don't solve this problem... There's no America on Monday. <laughs> and they, they, it's, it's lines like that while like they, they, they stride purposefully down hallways mm-hmm. and talk. But it's a great script. There's nothing wrong with the script at all. It's written by actually Andrew Ross Sorkin. And uh, actually, it's based on the book by Andrew Ross Sorkin. It's uh, written by this guy, Peter Gould. But uh, it's, really, it's really not bad. Too big to fail. Also, uh, Workaholics, season one and two. Workaholics is a, uh, is a Comedy Central uh, dealie. And uh, it's a pretty bad show. Pretty not funny. I don't know what to tell you. These guys are telemarketers, and uh, they do all sorts of crazy stuff. Enough said. It's, it's a decent Blu-ray, though. There's bloopers and cast interviews and deleted scenes, and, and I think the guys all got together at Bonnaroo, you know, the, the, uh, mm. 
the uh, music festival. So that was like whatever. Uh, anyway, I don't like the show. Seasons one and two on a single Blu-ray because the show is so bad they cannot sell them on separate season Blu-rays. I uh, got three here from uh, three classic TV shows from the uh, Paramount CBS Films Library. The sixth season of Dynasty. Now, this is an interesting thing they're doing. We've always complained about how they come out with uh, volume one and volume two of a season. It's just give me the full season, would you? Don't don't make me split a season into two halves. Otherwise, you, you might as well just release individual episodes on DVDs. Uh, so they, what they've done is they still have Dynasty, the sixth season, volume one and volume two as separate packages, but they're shrink-wrapped together as if this is one title. So uh, clearly people in the marketing department are realizing that this is uh, wearing thin on the fans and that they, if they want to clear these things off the shelves, uh, they better stop that tease. Uh, so Dynasty, the sixth season, both volumes together is out there. Uh, Lola Falana is fabulous. Everybody else is getting old. Um, Mannix, the seventh season. That's yeah, lame. Is, you know what? I like there's a much better There's a much better 70s detective show yeah. that we will talk about in mere moments. Okay. We, we, we will indeed in mere moments. This is the seventh season of, uh, of Mannix. I like Mannix. I never loved Mannix because Mike Connors is, you know, he's, look, he wears a tie and he smokes a lot. And, uh, you know, you could be a better cop than that. Not really digging the sideburns either. But he was a he was big deal in the 70s, man. It was a big deal show, and it was uh, it still kind of holds up, not as well as it should. But you know what? This is the show of shows, starring a guy who had won an Oscar by this point and a guy who would go on to win an Oscar. We're talking about uh, season three of The Streets of San Francisco. Yeah, I yeah. love The Streets of San Francisco. Mark was humming this tune <laughs> before the show. It's got a great theme. You were, you were tweaking with it and giving it lyrics, and it was, uh, was kind of disturbing. Anyway, this is season three. Uh, two volumes, but you can they're being released the same week. Now, we did not receive them shrink-wrapped together, so I don't know whether or not they are being sold as a package by Paramount and CBS. They may be, but they are at least released the same week, so you don't have to wait. Uh, the tease is, uh, is over here as well. You know what I love about this show more than anything? This may be my favorite Quinn Martin show. Oh, I love totally. Barnaby Jones. I certainly like the FBI. But this is the one where I really felt like when they say a Quinn Martin production... Prologue, epilogue, Act One. When that announcer comes out with all that stuff, yep. I really felt like this was going to deliver. Yep. This is the show that really delivered, and it was down, and it was dirty, and it was gritty, and they did such a great job of capturing the. Uh... Thank you, Mark. Mark's rocking out to the theme. Great opening, great uh, use of the locations in San Francisco. Terrific show. Really, it's the best. And um... I'm not done yet. I know. Here it is. Here comes the big. Here comes the big song. Oh dear. There you go. It's so '70s, man. It just rocks. It's so. It's so French Connection, except it's set in San Francisco. It's like French Connection meets Dirty Harry. That's what it is. Anyway, uh, terrific show. If you haven't gotten the first uh, first two seasons, get them. The third season is even better. It just uh, you know Alcatraz was a location in this third season. You know that. Okay, are you done? Wait, We're... the the song's over in in twenty seconds. Oh you ready? Oh my gosh! Yeah, here we go. Today's guest star. Yeah, and that's where they would do it. Tonight's guest star, Leslie Nielsen. All right, beautiful. All right, uh, Mark. <laughs> Who's yes. that guy? Are you, uh... Tonight's guest star, Bradford Dillman. Remember Bradford Dillman? <laughs> yes. All those shows? Oh my God, he was, he was, he was something back in the day. Bradford Dillman? Yeah. That guy did every and Gary one Collins. of those shows. And Gary, Gary Collins. Collins and Marianne Mobley. No one knows who they are <laughs> and anymore. And Meredith Baxter Bernie. Yeah. 
Oh my God, Bradford Meredith Baxter Dillon. Bernie, who's who's gay now, right? Didn't she come out? Did she really? Yeah, I did not know. She that. divorced David Bernie and uh, and came out. Why? Or something like that. Anyway. <laughs> um, so we're gonna we're gonna read some listener mail in a moment, but uh, before we hit listener mail, Mark, it's Criterion time. Uh, is there a song for this? No, <laughs> there is. Like there's a song I, I, for I it. I know, like it'd be a Vox box. No, it's Criterion time. <laughs> it's up. Can't do it. Uh, for, we've got a, we got a couple of Soderbergh uh, Criterions that Mark will talk about in a moment. But first, I'm going to rave about the Blu-ray of Alfred Hitchcock's The Thirty Nine Steps. Uh, this is just pristine, fantastic 1935 classic Hitchcock. This is one of the Hitchcock films from his his British days that really just uh, set the world on fire and uh, got him the call to come to Hollywood and do a few films for uh, David O. Selznick, starting with Rebecca in uh, 1940. So uh, 39 Steps is just a sensational film starring Robert Donat uh, as a guy who, you know... Robert Donat? Donat. Oh, I thought it was yeah, Robert good, Donut. Goodbye, Mr. Chips, Robert Donut. Oh, Robert Donut. Yes, Robert Donut. Is he a crawler? Oh, absolutely. But the uh, anyway, he's he, it's kind of a north by northwest plot. He uh, he happens on this conspiracy. The whole thing takes place in uh, in Scotland, and it's really terrific. Uh, forget about the novel that this thing is based on. The John Buchan novel uh, doesn't matter. The novel is really, in my opinion, not that great. The movie is such an improvement, and what an unbelievable collection of extras. Uh, the transfer goes without saying. It is sensational. Even even the the, the mono track is just great in terms of audio. Um, Marion Keene. A uh, scholar on Alfred Hitchcock does a terrific audio commentary that goes into a great uh, amount of detail that you're not going to get in any other Hitchcock commentary. Even if you think you've heard a lot of stuff on other commentaries for Hitchcock films, forget about it. Marion Keene does a great job here. Uh, An unbelievably intense uh, British documentary called Hitchcock, The Early Years, from about 10 years ago, um, talks all about those films that most people have not seen, which are the the war years stuff, all of the pre-Hollywood stuff. And uh, you get a television interview from 1966 with Hitchcock, the uh, 1937 Lux Radio Theater adaptation of 39 Steps with Ida Lupino and Robert Montgomery, and essays and audio excerpts from uh, Francois Truffaut's 1962 interviews, uh, which are just so intriguing. I had to read that book, the Truffaut-Hitchcock book. I had to read that in school in my Hitchcock class. As great as that is, when you actually hear the interviews... It just brings it home so much more. You get Truffaut's reverence and his respect, and you get Hitchcock's just... Wild your shoes. Oh, it's just his, his pompous ways. It's so fantastic. And then uh, some of the earliest criterions released, for, these, were, these were originally numbered 14, 15, and 16 in the uh, original Criterion DVD release, are the Samurai films, which are legendary. These films are legendary. Hiroshi Inagaki's Samurai Trilogy... Uh, the first of which was a big Oscar winner. It was the film that sort of precipitated the uh, Foreign Language Academy Award category, believe it or not. And then it took like 50 years before a Japanese film would actually win the award outright. But there was a special award to Samurai the year before they created the uh, Foreign Language category uh, because this film was such a huge deal. So anyway, they are finally on Blu-ray, all three of them, one Blu-ray set. They're not uh, putting out separate Blu-rays for them. They're all together here. Not a lot of extras, but it shouldn't matter. The, uh, they've done a, a whole new digital restoration on these, all new soundtracks. And uh, there are some good interviews here uh, and some trailers, and that's about it. But uh, ultimately, you want to get this just because on Blu-ray, it's like reliving these films from the time they were originally released. I mean, it is just unbelievable. This is the Japanese new wave, never been better. Wade, um, there are two more criterions I'd like to highly recommend. This is a uh, this is a sort of a, a, a these are bookends, I guess you could say. Soder uh, bookends, we would call them. 
You know, he didn't retire. He's not retiring. Stop saying you're retiring. <laughs> he he keeps re- saying it. He's, he's saying, like, yeah, after uh, he couldn't get his Cleopatra musical on, on with Beyonce going, so instead he made his male stripper mute movie, and now I guess he's going to do one more and retire. Well, that's a huge that, – that thing opened – for him, that thing opened huge. I know. Magic Mike. Uh, anyway, Soderbergh, as you know, uh, likes to do one for him and one for us, I guess. And uh, there, he did two bookend films about uh, Spalding Gray, the uh, uh, the tragic, brilliant monologist. The first one I want to talk about is Gray's Anatomy. Gray's Anatomy is from 1997, and um, in 1993, uh, Spalding Gray did a uh, stage play, a monologue about his. Uh, he had an eye condition. That was very rare and very troubling and very difficult to treat, and he wound up turning it into this amazing meditation on, on being sick and dying and medicine and all this stuff. And so Soderbergh uh, shot it, and he cut it into a great little movie called Grey's Anatomy, and that was from 1997. Now, uh, and, and let me tell you something about this movie. I saw this at the American film market at the time, and I thought that is the, the most self-indulgent, boring monstrosity I've ever seen. It's just basically a lot of interviews with Spalding Gray with a lot of kaleidoscopic crap going on in the background. And after Spalding Gray went and, like, offed himself, I feel so damn guilty. I feel, like, I feel so guilty. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he was crying out for help in that film, and I was dismissive. I didn't realize it was a – the whole movie is like a cry for help. Well, it turns I feel out, so guilty now. I do. I, I look at this movie, and it's poignant. Well, at the time, yes. I was like, what a pile. Well, it turns out that uh, if you don't already know, I guess you do now, uh, Gray was a very troubled, possibly mentally ill yeah. person. And he tried to kill himself a number of times. And in 2004, he succeeded. He threw himself into uh, either the East River or the Hudson River. Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something in New York. Uh, so he died. He killed himself in 2004, finally succeeding. So Soderbergh went back and in 2010 created sort of the bookend version of uh, the Spalding Gray story called And Everything is Going Fine. And, uh, and Everything is Going Fine is a compilation piece uh, where he kind of pieces together all this footage of Gray taken from interviews that he did back in the day, from all the one-man shows that he did throughout his career. And it is a great portrait of Spalding Gray, a, a brilliant and troubled man. And it's, it's, but it's a bit of a loss. It's a you huge know? loss. Gray was, yeah. uh, you know, he's one of those guys where, he, he, you know, what he, when, you, when you think about Spalding Gray, you think he's one of those, like, you know, Upper West Side, you know, New Yorker magazine, Pinky in the Air Museum pieces. Yeah. But he's actually funny, and he's insightful, and he's, what he's I great. Wi- he's what I wish Garrison Keillor were. If Garrison Keillor were, were Spalding Gray, I, I'd feel much much safer in I his presence. Garrison Keillor for so many. I was like, you know what? I don't want to watch that claptrap. But I listened to it, and I kind of got hooked. Speaking of Garrison Keillor, I was watching this show on Nat Geo the other day about Bigfoot. That's the joke. That's it. That doesn't really go anywhere after that. Yeah. Didn't really go anywhere. When did Nat Geo become like the, the the Bigfoot Loch Ness monster and alien invasion channel? Because you know why? It's easy to market. <laughs> but it, but is it, we're we're like the safaris and you know here are the birds of, and the penguins and the the migrations of North Look, America. Now it's all. I mean, literally, I watched a whole half hour of them analyzing that famous uh, Zapruder film th- type thing of Bigfoot yeah. walking where they're, they're looking at the joints and they have like experts analyzing it and saying these could not be the physical biomechanics of a human being in a suit because the shoulders would not contract on the weight spinal column the way that the feet coagulate with the machuba. De- it's just it, look, like, I'm sorry, it's a guy in a suit. Look, I'd love to believe in Bigfoot as much as the next guy, but it's a guy in a suit. thing is that... If, uh, they have the guys go out and they like lay out bait 
in in the in the woods, so that when Bigfoot comes along to grab the bait, he jumps up and like a little a needle will like snatch a piece of his fur, so they have a DNA sample. And I'm thinking, okay, if you're doing this, why not set up a few cameras while you're at it? Like, why not have it? Why not the thing? The little once he grabs it, whatever snatches a little bit of his fur, why not have that trigger a camera so we get friggin' photographic proof for a change? You boneheads, you Nat know, Geo. Uh, Give me a break. Well, first of all, if if, if you look at networks like. Bravo. Look what Bravo used to be. Bravo oh. was called Bravo because it was like an arts and entertainment channel. A and E was all that arts and entertainment. Yeah. And all A and E does now is like hoarders and and you know. The... And MTV was about music. Yeah, it, it all changes. Everything goes white trash eventually. Exactly. And by the way, here's the thing with Bigfoot too. I I want to know when the first incident, when the first Bigfoot sighting was, because you know it's Sasquatch Indians were talking about Bigfoot. But okay, well, are there many? Are there many big feet, or is it one Bigfoot who's who? I guess is ageless because they've You've been seen talking. Harry and the Hendersons. You know, <laughs> you imagine. Okay, we got some new movies here. Uh, we talked previously about Wrath of the Titans, the uh, the 3D monstrosity. Uh, they sent us uh, as well since we covered the last one because apparently they liked us uh, lambasting it so much they sent us a combo pack of the regular Blu-ray DVD and Ultraviolet uh, not in 3D apparently thinking that if it weren't in 3D we might actually like it Mark it's a masterpiece it really is the best film I've ever seen outstanding it changes so much Uh, also (laughs) in a Blu-ray DVD and digital copy set not Ultraviolet mind you this is just the old old school outdated digital copy that nobody wants anymore from 20th Century Fox is Mirror Mirror with a lenticular cover that shows you both Julia Roberts. If you turn it one way, there's Julia Roberts as the evil queen, and you flip it back the other way. Ah, uh, look, there's Phil Collins' daughter as Snow White. Aww. Lily Collins, uh, who looks way too much like her dad. Uh, she's got her dad's eyebrows. We got to no, do something she's about that. cute. She is cute, but the eyebrows too thick. Got to work on those. I like her. Uh, the problem is the movie is just uh, uh, horrendous. It's really stupid. Tarsum, uh, who now goes by his full name, Tarsum Singh Dabawar, however you pronounce it. Um, well, he should. You know why? Because otherwise he'll wind up being McGee. Yeah, well, Tarsum... Use your name. Tarsum has the same problem. He comes, you know, he started off with The Cell, and then he made uh, whatever that film I'm forgetting the name of. And uh, he just comes from, you know, commercials, and he brings all this visual flash and sizzle, and this movie, it's just, it's not there. He thinks he's making The Prince's Bride. There isn't, there's no humor. Tarsum has no capacity for humor. This is really a horrible misfire. The only thing that almost keeps it afloat is the fact that um, a, a few members of the supporting cast, well, no, let me, let me take that back, uh, Nathan Lane. <laughs> pretty much carries the film. Yeah. Nathan Lane is hysterical in the film, but he's working so hard, and it's it almost it, it gets sad at a certain point. Uh, and then we also have The Hunter, which I think is outstanding. Uh, this thing has been on VOD. It was on VOD before it was even in theaters. This is from Magnolia. This is the Blu-ray. Uh, I did not expect to like this movie. I think it is insanely good. It is the plot is is something we've seen before. It's uh, you know a, a hunter becomes the hunted uh, a guy you know who has no soul becomes a guy who has soul he the hunter becomes the defender and the protector we've all seen that trajectory a million times um, but here it is it is done in such a fascinating way Willem Dafoe plays a, a mercenary who's supposed to execute a job in uh, Tasmania of all places of all exotic places and um, winds up uh, kind of falling for the people there what's interesting is the mission he's on you ever heard of the Tasmanian tiger no. Tasmanian tiger is an extinct marsupial. 
it's, a, it's an example of what I think they call parallel evolution because it looks like a hyena or a wolf or some kind of a dog creature, but it's not. It's a marsupial. It, it actually belongs it's, – it's closer to, you know, kangaroos and koala bears than it is to the dog and coyote and wolf family. But yet it evolved in exactly the same way, except it's got a pouch and it's, you know, it's marsupial and its, and its jaw can open wider. It's like 100, almost 180 degrees it can open its jaw. And there's black and white footage of these things before they were extinct from like the 19-teens. And uh, every once in a while somebody thinks that they've sighted one and they're very rare. And he's hired by some nameless corporation to go and basically kill the last one and bring its genetic material back. And uh, winds up falling into this uh, falling fast... In <laughs> falling, falling in love. Not falling in love. Not falling in love. Well, you know, we'll, I'll let, there's a family that he stays with, and and there's a there's a the the, the political uh, the political things that are going on in this uh, local area in Tasmania between environmentalists and loggers uh, put him in the middle of a local kind of conflict of crisis, a conflict of conscience. And uh, it's really just an outstanding film, so well done, so beautifully made, and so well acted by Willem Dafoe. It's all in his eyes, very little dialogue. I love this movie, The Hunter. Definitely check it out, especially on Blu-ray. So well shot. So well shot. Did I mention how well shot this movie is? No. It is incredibly well photographed. Is it well shot? Well shot. Wow. Oh, God Bless America is the uh, latest film from uh, Bobcat Goldthwait. We've talked about Bobcat and how I think that he has, uh, uh, he has carved himself a very interesting uh, niche as a director. And I was really, really looking forward to God Bless America. And then I saw it and I really didn't like it. It certainly has the, uh, the makings of a good film. It's about a guy named Frank who's pretty much had enough of American culture. So he decides to go on a rampage and kill anybody who he, who he disagrees with. And he goes on this killing spree uh, accompanied by this young girl named Roxy. And they sort of share, you know, the same sense of, you know, anger and disenfranchisement with how the culture is going. And, you know, I, I'm all about a movie where a guy just completely flips out on how we just like worship the, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, VH1 reality shows and whatnot. Totally. Uh, the thing is that the movie really, the script really from, um, co-written by, um, uh, actually it was written by Goldthwaite, but... The problem is that the movie is pretty much just these extended monologues where I get a sense that it's not what the character hates about America. It's what Bobcat hates about America. And you got to take that and you got to put it into a framework where I care about the characters. I care what they're doing. I believe what they're doing. But it really just winds up being this like 80, 90, 90 minute harangue against a culture which and, and by the way, I agree with everything he says. That's not the issue. The issue is does it make a movie? And I think that Goldthwait the reason why he's able to make the films he wants is because he works with no budgets. Yep. Sometimes he hires his crew literally from, from uh, Craigslist. There's a terrific essay that he wrote. Uh, gosh, what site was that on? Was that on? Uh... That was on uh, uh, TerrificSite.com. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I, I'm wondering. <laughs> I think it may have been on Salon. Don't quote me on that. But there's a, a great kind of editorial essay that he wrote. Uh, where he goes into uh, you know why he sort of left Hollywood and let go of what he was, and he's now kind of found his soul and found his calling in making low budget films, and you know he makes fun of his old self, the uh, the, the police academy self, and uh, it, it was very very um, very revelatory and self analytical, and uh, I thought it was I think it's great reading. Anybody who sort of even harbors uh, any kind of uh, illusions or delusions about the film industry should read it. They really should. It's very very honest. It's one of the most honest things I think I've ever seen. I really, really wish. Good. I really wish also, as this film kind of started to fray at the edges and then eventually fall apart, I, I do wish that he had more of a budget. It's you know, it's really hard to get over the fact that he just has no money. I know. In the film, uh, there's this American Idol type uh, reality competition show, and a lot of the film revolves around it. 
And at the climax of the film, they actually go to a, a, a taping of this American Idol, you know, re, you know, show. And it's just really hard to like. Why even write this into the script when you know that the best you can do to simulate an American Idol show, mm-hmm. where you know, where you know, half a million dollars, you know, I mean, uh, you know, millions of dollars are, spe- are spent on one episode, yeah. and there's. There's 10,000 people in the audience. The best you can do is shoot at like the Steve Allen Theater down the street with like 20 extras. I know. I mean, don't, it, just, it just undermines what you're trying to do. Don't even don't even make that part of your film. It just I really know. takes you out of it. I and know. I know there's nothing you can do. But the one thing you can do is you can just not write those sorts of scenes. I'm with you. Because if you write if you write a scene like that, you're going to wind up with what you have at the end of uh, God Bless America, which is just you just roll your eyes and go, Really? We're going to get into some uh, some classic movies here in a moment, but first I, I want to uh, hit a few very important foreign titles. One is the Lena Wertmuller collection, uh, three films on Blu-ray from Kino, previously on DVD, The Seduction of Mimi, All Screwed Up, and Love and Anarchy. Lena Wertmuller is one of the great all-time female directors, and I say that not kind of uh, condescendingly as, as if she couldn't compete with men, but because she is significant as the first woman who ever received an Academy Award nomination for Best Director. Uh, Lena Wertmuller, despite the German sound of the name, is actually an Italian filmmaker. And uh, her films are wonderful, um, kind of bittersweet, slice-of-life movies. They they have a very uh, 60s feel to them, kind of cutting somewhere across Bergman and Antonioni. And uh, a little bit more commercial, a little bit, little bit of Fassbender in there as well. Uh, she really is just terrific. She represents the best of Italian filmmaking at the time in the 70s. And all three of these are absolutely worth getting. Uh, not really much by way of extras here, but, uh, you know, stills and uh, there's a trailer on one of them. But you want to check out all of these. They are absolutely sensational. Once again, that is the uh, Lena Wertmuller collection on Blu-ray from Kino. All Screwed Up, The Seduction of Mimi, and Love and Anarchy, which features just a terrific performance by Giancarlo Giannini. And then we also have the Academy Award-nominated... Um, in Darkness, which was, which I think is um, Agnieszka Holland's return to great filmmaking. Previously, she was nominated for Europa Europa, a foreign language film category. Then she had a horrible Hollywood career doing all kinds of junk that was just not worth it. In Darkness is basically Schindler's List in the sewers, and it's outstanding. It's Polish language film with a little bit of German, and uh, it's just incredibly outstanding. I, 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 have, I was so deeply moved by this film. It's on Blu-ray. It is a gorgeous film on Blu-ray. Just because it takes place in the sewers of, of Warsaw, forget about it. It's great. I mean, it looks incredible. The lighting in those sewers. She shot this thing on the red, by the way. So it is. It is custom you need, tailored. You don't need a lot of lighting to. You don't to need a lot of lighting. An image on a red. No, you don't. And and it uh, it transfers to Blu-ray fabulously, beautifully, beautifully well. And I'll tell you. And what I loved about In Darkness, which is a great film, is that in in the movie, the 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 Jews who hide out in the sewer, they're not like these saintly figures who need who need no. to be saved. Some mm-hmm. of them are like kind of like morally compromised. Absolutely. And that just makes the whole thing way more interesting. Absolutely. And you get some great uh, features here that deal with Anishka Holland. No no commentary, but kind of, you know, interview stuff. Uh, My Afternoons with Marguerite is uh, along with um, Oranges and Sunshine. Uh, these are two releases now from the Cohen Media Group, which is releasing its first titles independently. Uh, Cohen Media has kind of come on the scene recently in a rather big way uh, as kind of a new independent distributor. So I welcome them. I like the fact that they're taking a very aggressive approach in terms of marketing their Blu-rays. Their Blu-rays come in a Blu-ray keep case, but it's clear plastic, and they have a Cohen Media Group border on it, which is this very pronounced red border around the uh, 
uh, the uh, the artwork of the films to establish it as a brand, and I think that's really really smart. So I'm glad they're doing this. Uh, My Afternoons with Marguerite is a is a sweet French comedy with uh, Gerard Depardieu and this lovely old lady named Giselle uh, Casadesus. And uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out. I don't think it's the the best thing that Depardieu has done in the last five or six years, but it really is. Uh, I think it's great. I think it's a terrifically sweet movie about uh, a curmudgeon and this little old lady. And then uh, Oranges and Sunshine is not a foreign language film. I mention it only because it's part of the Cohen Media Group thing here. It's uh, definitely worth checking out. Emily Watson, Hugo Weaving, and uh, David Wenham. Three great actors, not at their very, very best here. Again, Cohen Media Group is kind of picking up films that uh, other people are not picking up because they can afford them and because others have probably passed. So they're, they're getting bargains, but they're not bad bargains. They're good films. Um, I'd say they're maybe sort of A- and B-plus films. And uh, this deals with the deportation of children from the United Kingdom to Australia, which is uh, this, this horrible, horrible event that... Uh, it's part of history, and it's something that's never really been dealt with in films. And uh, it's uh, it definitely, definitely, definitely worth checking out. Uh, Emily Watson, always a wonderful actress. Feels sometimes a little bit more like a TV movie, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. is and it, uh, Yes, sir. Uh, who's going next, Wade? I got two more. Okay, fine. Got two more just to blow through. Uh, Nuri Bilge Salon is the, uh, he's kind of like the Turkish Ingmar Bergman. Uh, this is not his best film, Once Upon a Time in Anatolia. But uh, a lot of people think people it's his best People love this film. film. People went, went crazy for this. I don't think this is his best film by a long shot, but it won the grand prize at Cannes. So who am I to judge? Uh, it's on Blu-ray. It's gorgeous looking. I just wish it weren't so much of a kind of genre piece. It feels almost more like one of those Romanian movies that I can't stand. Uh, I haven't, you know what? It, uh, it, one it, of those uh, those films have not made it to the United States in the last two years. No, police. It, it, it has all, a little bit all more. All those of, Christian Mongu films, whatever yeah, the guy's name is. Yeah. Well, oh. he has a new one at can that did big deal. That's I. That, I yeah, that's I'm, gonna come. That'll, that'll come. come. Yeah. Christian Mongu's film. Anyway, this feels a little bit like uh, you know a, a a companion film to Police Adjective. I could have done with something a little bit brisker, but that being said, it is beautiful to look at. And uh, the Blu-ray transfer is first rate. And then last, but definitely not least, is the Academy Award-nominated Bullhead, which is uh, uh, another outstanding release from Draft House. They are releasing the, uh, their own stuff as well, as is Cohen, and uh, this is a Blu-ray and a DVD. The, uh, they are also going with the clear plastic uh, motif, which is apparently now the motif that tells you this is a quality foreign language film. Bullhead is, uh, is a remarkable movie, with an, uh, not as good as the trailer, but it's certainly a great movie, about the illegal black market hormone beef trade uh, in Belgium. And you just go, really? That's a, that's a thing? They made a movie about that? Believe it or not, it's like it's a mafia movie. It's a it's a it's a crime film. It just happens that that they're not dealing in you know prostitution or drugs or whatever. They're dealing in in black market hormone injected beef. And the 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 story of the guy that this is basically about, who injects himself with steroids for reasons that I cannot tell you, is gut wrenching. This is one of the most tragic stories of a single individual you will ever see. It is, it is gut-wrenching. This is such a great film. I cannot recommend it highly enough. No, you can recommend it highly enough. You, you, you can if you wanted to. All right, Mark. Your turn. <laughs> well, from uh, uh, Beef Hormones to Just Plain Beef, we have from Disney, Home on the Range. Home on the Range is from 2004, and um, at the time, it was announced as Disney's last traditionally animated film. 
because Disney wanted to go all CGI. So Home on the Range was the end of traditional animation for Disney until, of course, The Princess and the Frog, which I liked a lot. I thought Princess and the Frog I, was I really like Princess and the Frog. I, I liked that. I thought the songs were great. I was totally into it. Home on the Range, uh, it's a bit of a middling uh, Disney film. Not all that great. Didn't do all that great. Uh, it's got a good uh, voice cast like all the Disney films do. Roseanne, Judy Dench, Jennifer Tilly, Cuba Gooding Jr., so, you know, it's good stuff, but I just think it's a bit, uh, it's just way too middle of the road, way too formulaic, and just, it just didn't really pop like uh, previous Disney films, and of course pop like the Pixar films. When it comes to a uh, complete and utter misfire, we have from 2002, Treasure Planet. Now, this is the uh, 10th anniversary of Treasure Planet, which I guess means something to somebody, because it's really the 10th anniversary of a bomb. Yep. Now Disney, they've had the right. They've, they've I had didn't their mind bombs. this film. It's it's a bomb and it it's a misfire, but I didn't I didn't mind it. It's the it, I thought it was okay. It, it, you know what? It was nominated for the uh, best animated feature yeah. Oscar, so it can't beat that. Anyway, this is basically uh, you know Treasure Island in space. Uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg famously didn't really like this film. He didn't really see any uh, hope in it. But you know what? He wound up getting uh, sold on it, and he wound up greenlighting it. It cost a lot of money, made very little money, and ultimately uh, it's just not. Uh, it just didn't seem like it just you know what it's like nobody cares about treasure island no one remembers it so why even do that just make your own thing you know it just it was, was kind of listless and it just seemed very clumsy and it just seemed very mercenary which is weird because it's 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 mercenary for a property that nobody really cares about anymore you know kids don't know treasure island and the parents don't know Tre- nobody knows treasure island anymore it's like I it's know. done so anyway, this is not that great. However, the um, the uh, Blu-ray is okay. It includes the Blu-ray and, of course, the DVD. There's a visual commentary, some deleted scenes, which are kind of fun. Music videos, who cares? And uh, that is pretty much Treasure Planet. There are plenty of other Disney films you could be renting than Treasure Planet. Indeed, indeed. And we're going to end the show on, last but not least, the one, the only, the fantastic Barbarella, which is being re- remade by Nicholas Winding Refn, isn't it, Mark? Isn't he redoing Barbarella? Uh, he's been circling that. Is he actually doing it? I don't know. I don't know, but I know he wants to. Uh, anyway, uh, Jane Fonda starred for her then-husband, Roger Vadim, in this uh, utterly weird, tweaked, twisted, and uh, incredibly brilliant and memorable uh, bizarre science fiction erotic fantasy film. You know, there's a lot of stuff from the era that, that, that it kind of plugs into this. It's sort of uh, right in there with, all, with, with the whole groovy... Um, uh, hate Ashbury spy motif thing that we get, and it it, it spans things like Fathom with uh, Raquel Welch to uh, Danger Diabolique, and you get it. There's a whole there's a whole genre of these things. Anyway, and and Roman Coppola, by the way, who co-wrote Moonrise Kingdom with uh, Wes Anderson. Remember his CQ? The whole kind of female spy thing in CQ, Dragonfly, is very much inspired by Barbarella. So, uh, or at least partially. Anyway, you know, she look. She's she's the in outer space, and she's how you know how how the hell else? It's really hard to, to you just can't categorize this, this film. film. You got to see this film. Uh, John, this is a this is a classic cult film of the time. It's just it is incredibly, so weird. It's very sexual. It's very it, trippy. It's trippy. Trippy is a way to put it for sure. John Philip Law uh, is the uh, blonde-haired stud opposite uh, Jane Fonda's uh, sexy vixen Barbarella. It's a TV series. Reference into a TV series. Ah, that's what it is. Well, anyway, it's a one-of-a-kind film. Unfortunately, there are no extras on this Blu-ray, and uh, that's very disappointing. There were no extras on the original DVD, and Paramount really gypped us, and everybody was thinking when they finally do a special edition of Barbarella on Blu-ray, they're going to go to town. They did not go to town. 
all they have is, a, is some, some kind of a travel contest that you can uh, enter as part of this, which is, is bogus. This should have had really great extras. They needed a commentary on this, and uh, I'm going to take Paramount to task. We would have done a commentary on Barbarella for crying out loud. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, give me awesome. Go, you you, you mean Andy Klein. You mean Andy Klein. Damn right. Uh, the one thing that is worth noting for film nerds is uh, the screenplay for this was written by Mark Terry Southern. Terry Southern, who recorded uh, Doctor Strangelove That's and uh, wrote a lot for uh, Kubrick. One of the one of the great, brilliant, uh, eccentric screenwriters of all time. So, um, anyway, there you go. It's Barbarella on Blu-ray. And with that, Mark, we are done. Uh, we will see you guys next week. And uh, if you want to send us any Vox Box recordings or emails, hit us at gods at digigods.com. And don't, uh, don't forget, Wade. Uh-oh. The Ice Cream Scoop the giveaway. Ice cream scoop. Ah. number five. Put Ice Cream Scoop in the subject line. Put your name and address in the body of the email, and you're going to win a worthless plastic ice cream scoop that will break the first time you use it. From the movie? That, that guy who kills people movie with uh, Kevin Corrigan. The movie's called uh, Some, Some Guy, guy who, who Kills, kills people. people. Kevin Corrigan. You'll be a hit with all the neighborhood kids. Mm-hmm.